0: you're very welcome along to the gardening program Saturday morning we're Bang Slap in the middle of October Good morning to you. Good morning, to you. Good
1: morning, listeners.
0: How are things great, today?
1: Great, yeah, great. Very mixed wi- week, I suppose. Mixed, mixed week,
0: yes. And we're bag. all waiting to see what Ophelia Julia. will bring. Hopefully, not much. But we were just talking a little bit about uh, the fact that there's still quite a bit of leaves around, and there there's are. a nice bit of autumn colour around. Sure and is. even though it's a bit on the damp side this it's week, a little bit moist, uh, things aren't that bad either. I mean, in terms of at least it's not all desolate still or green. Like that. It's still green. <laughs> still it's still green. 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 But we're and going nice to talk about a, a different colour to start this morning. Um, um, we're going to talk about heathers a little. Yeah, bit. I
1: thought we'd just feature some heathers because uh, you might remember a couple of weeks back I brought in the heather honey, and of course they are traditional and
0: delicious. It was yeah,
1: and uh, our Irish honey, our Irish heathers generally flower in, in August and September. But there is a collection of heathers called the winter heats that flower from the end well, probably in kind of the middle of October, the end of October, right through until the following spring, into April and into nearly May of next year. Um, and these are a range of ericas. Erica Darliensis is the actual botanical name. Right. But they're, they're commonly called win- winter heats. And uh, they flower, as I say, nearly for seven months of the year. So October right through until the April. End of April, often into the first week of, of May. And they come in a whole range of different colours.
0: Yeah, because I suppose I, I tend to think of when, when somebody says heathers to me, I just think of heather as in, you know, the purple flowering heather. Is, is that a line from a yeah. song? I feel it is somewhere along the line. It but is. That's my association of heather. But of course, there's a real, there's a whole host of Myriad. colours. Myriad. Myriad of colours. Of colours. Thank Thank you.
1: and you. Uh, but, but purple being the dominant colour, certainly. But there are varieties like Kramer's Red, which is a, a I suppose, a, a ready purple, a really good variety crimorous red because it's quite an upright variety it's quite vigorous it's very easy to grow and if you want to plant to cover a bank or a slope um, or a large bed or maybe under uh, light canopy trees because heathers in particular like bright location mm-hmm. they dislike heavy shade um, so if it's under birch trees they're perfectly happy but Kramer's Red is a really good variety for just covering the ground so particularly banks and slopes and um, large areas you want to to uh, cover and, and create that ground cover effect then Kramer's Red is a really nice variety there's an, uh, one to contrast with that then is one called White Perfection oh, which right. is pure white it's a colour of snow so the two colours contrast very well together because they're fl- flowering through the winter period. Um, it, it's like I often say, you know, pl- plants that flower in the winter tend to flower for months and months because it's like keeping a bouquet of flowers in a refrigerated area. The flowers just stay and stay compared to the summer period where we have got the heat and the flowers, of course, go off a little bit quicker. Yes. So generally winter flowering plants, not just heathers, but winter flowering plants in general, flower. For, for months of the year. Um, and that white perfection is a particularly nice variety. It contrasts really well with, with the Kramer's red. And in planting heathers, now these are varieties I should mention that will grow in any garden soil. So again, heathers, we tend to associate, particularly the summer heathers, with bogland areas, mm. with acid soil, lime-free areas. So they tend to grow on our on the moors and the, and the uh, bogland areas. Um, but the winter heats will tolerate any soil. So they'll grow in limey soil they'll grow an acid soil, they'll grow in neutral soil. So as long as the, the soil is... And it doesn't have to be very fertile. There are, they are plants that actually do a little bit better on impoverished soils. So if they've got very rich soil, they tend to grow taller and maybe a little bit more leggy. Whereas on, on uh, less, in, less, you know, more inferior soils, they tend to be more compact and better flowering. So slightly impoverished soils are very good. So hence slopes and banks tend to suit them very well. Um, so... Plant them now, plant them in groups of fives or sevens of the one variety. That's important because you want to recreate that that uh, bogland effect of, of a sweeping carpet yeah, with, with the, heathers. So
0: the bushiness really comes out when, a- ha- when you do the multiples.
1: Absolutely. And you get this uniformity as well, because you've got seven or eight or nine Kramer's Red together. And then again, another cluster of, of um, white perfection in groups of fives or se- seven. So you get this Persian carpet effect of a of big sways of, of colour. Um, another lovely v- variety is one called Furzy, which again has yellow foliage. And pink flowers. So is
0: that we, we? So we think of, I suppose, the, the furs that we see exactly. as uh, you know in the, the in the sum- landscape during the summertime.
1: Exactly. And again, with because he has the uh, the foliage is yellow. You get the colour twelve months a year, but then the pink flowers protrude then during the winter period. And another lovely variety called Fox Hollow, which again is it's a it's a foxy orange colour in winter in through the foliage. So the foliage is predominantly. Yellow in summer. Then, as we get into the colder parts of winter, the foliage changes colour and it produces a pink flower as well. And there's a lovely variety then called Darley Dale, which is a light pink, shell pink colour. So, and there are just a few of the varieties. There are many, many different varieties of the uh, the winter heats the Erica Darliensis If you've got them planted in your garden, you'll, they will be coming into flower very shortly. There's no pruning or there's nothing to be done at this time of year, except I often advise. Introducing some spring bulbs through them, particularly dwarf bulbs like crocuses, snowdrops, and um, jet fire narcissi that only grow uh, maybe eight in, or eight inches or nine inches in height. So, low spring flowering bulbs, if you plant them beneath the heathers, they'll come up through, they'll force their way up through the heather, they'll flower in the springtime and die back down again. And the heathers will smother them during the summer months, keeping them very tidy and neat. So, it's a great way to mix. Companion, companion planting, companion planting yeah. yeah and we talk about that quite a lot and remember that the heathers are going to be flowering right through christmas into early spring and then you have the b- bulbs coming into flower and um, the, the snowdrops the the dwarf daffodils, they're a sissi dwarf um, muscari which is lovely blue like a like a um we call it the grape hyacinth but it flowers like a bluebell but it's quite short so muscari a lovely bulb mixed with heather so you're introducing a the colour of blue, blue into the garden. So really, I suppose my advice is, if you've, you know, if you if you want some colour for banks and, and borders and beds, ground covering effect, because they're great for suppressing weeds as well. Once they get established, for the first couple of years, you do need to keep them weed free. But apart from that, they tend to cover the ground and just swamp the ground completely. The heathers, and during the summer months, the foliage is quite a nice colour. I
0: suppose. Yeah, I was just going to say. So you know, if they are there all all year round, how does one, I suppose, bring in then? Maybe your more traditional kind of uh, summer planting with heathers. Yeah, well, you
1: can always mix some shrubs mm. with them, as, if you will, the tr- if you wish. The, the traditional thing was to mix conifers. So a mixture of conifers, which are evergreen. So dwarf conifers. So you kind of
0: have a bit of a woodland effect going exactly. on, literally, yeah, in, yeah. in so miniature.
1: In miniature. So the little dwarf the dwarf um, conifers. And you've got varieties like blue star, which is steely blue foliage. You've got rhine gold, which is a really uh, bright yellow stroke orange in winter. So there's lots of great conifers that you can mix through the heathers mm. for contrast to colour. Or even foliage shrubs like dwarf pittosporums, tom-tom is quite a nice variety, or purple berber's the little dwarf variety. So there are plenty of little plants that you can certainly add with them. So a mixture of bulbs, the heathers plant in clusters of fives or sevens, and then some shrubs mixed through just for a bit of contrast and colour. And they tend to be maintenance-free, a light pruning back after flowering in April. So just as they go out of flower, you trim them back slightly with shears and that's it. Give them a little bit of feed and and that's your heathers done for the year. So there's something to look for. They are coming into flower at the moment. Um, And even if you wanted just a bit of colour in window box and containers, winter heathers are one of those reliable plants yeah. even if there's a foot, a to, foot take the, of,
0: to take the bearer look off the place exactly felices, yeah. for,
1: for a bit of colour so the other plants are brought in Deirdre were uh, Conf- we had uh, talk- on the other
0: end of the spectrum the other rhetoric. end of the <laughs> yeah. spectrum
1: exactly we, talk, we were talking about house plants a couple of mm. weeks ago and uh, I think last week we had a question in about the jade plant
0: so is this the jade plant that this we have in this is the jade planted? plant
1: this is the jade plant, yeah. So and are we, are
0: these are all, I suppose, the succulents, is that what we call Summer them? Some are
1: succulents, yeah. Right. The, these, I would class these as the easy, no-nonsense indoor plants. I mean, if you want something that's just <laughs> super easy, I've brought you in four plants that I can highly okay. recommend. So, now, remember with plants, yeah. what do plants do? So indoor plants absorb CO2, what we excrete, so ca- carbon uh, dioxide, they actually absorb that through their foliage, um, particularly at nighttime. So they're taking in what we exhale and they're releasing oxygen. So they're fantastic to introduce into office environments, I actually brought this one from my uh, from my team's head office okay. in Spencer Street. Um, so I went in this morning and just and robbed one of their plants. So this is sitting on one of the desks, um, and I noticed the guys have overwatered it slightly. Was, but anyway, <laughs> I'll talk about that in a minute. But so this is the jade plant. But plants are great in office environments, in home environments. We're sticking on the central heat at the moment. Our homes tend to be very stuffy mm. for the winter period, and plants are a great way. To introduce colour and something interesting, but also to introduce a plant that's going to um, live with us, as right. it were, as in they're taking in what we, the the CO two that that we breathe out, and they're releasing oxygen at nighttime. And they're also great for absorbing a lot of the the pollutants that we have in our homes now. Um, deodorants, for example, you know. Uh, all the various sprays that we use in the uh, house. We tend
0: to use, and sometimes we tend to use an awful lot of sprays. I think, um, and I have this was a bit of a bugbear up myself, uh, maybe too much so in our efforts to keep things really clean, clean and, and sterile. Yeah, exactly. we can kind of go a small bit overboard, overboard. occasionally.
1: Well, they do say that uh, that the average household, the air within the average household can be up to 10 times more polluted than the air we breathe outside. Mm. And you can understand that with, with our homes being so insulated now. So plants are a great way to introduce um, and and I did this recently. Um, chatting about house plants, and people often think, "Well, they're, oh, they're too much trouble? They're too much hassle." And some house plants are; they can right. be difficult to mind. I recently had, actually had a customer from uh, that has a summer home in Ackle. And they told me that they hadn't been back for 18 months. Now, that's a year and a half. And they have cacti. Um,
0: Was everything still alive? The cacti
1: was actually flowering when they went back 18 months later. Happy out. Happy out with no need passed on us. Some plants do very well on neglect. So, the plants I brought in today really do are easy to grow. You will only kill them with kindness. Okay,
0: is this one one suffering a little bit from kindness?
1: Well, this is the jade plant. Mm. And and as I say, it's actually slightly overwatered. So, this plant should be watered every six weeks. So, every month and a half. It needs watering. And it's repotted every three to five years. Right. You see the leaf? So the leaf? The leaf is very succulent. The stem yes, is, is very succulent. Yeah.
0: And it's nice and shiny. And it's healthy a lovely look, shiny. It's yeah. a
1: super easy plant to grow. It'll grow in shade or it'll grow in full sun. So if you've got a conservatory or a really bright window, so you can sit it there. If you've got a darker room, you can, you can put it there as well. And it's one of these plants, they call it this, uh, you, remember, you might remember last week I mentioned, it's often called the friendship plant. Yes. Because it's given particularly around wedding or any family ceremonies because it's a plant that will live for over 50 years. So people have okay, it for so generations, it has a, a generations A sense of longevity
0: about the Absolutely. thing. Absolutely.
1: Right. It also is super easy to propagate. So you can propagate it from the little leaf from the
0: leaf that, you're that, I, here. that I
1: handed you there. Simply stick that in a pot <laughs> and it'll grow. Or you can take a small little stem cutting like we would with a traditional plant. But a very, very easy plant. What I often get from people is that they, 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 they come into the garden centre and the question is, my jade plant is now three feet tall, it's ten years old, mm, what am I going to do with it? And you can always prune them back. Right. They respond very well to pruning because back. Because at
0: the base there I'm looking at, so it is kind of, there's a woody, it is it's a, a woody, woody stem. Yeah, yeah. woody yeah. succulent
1: stem. It it mimics a small tree, I yeah. suppose, in time. And a, a little tip, if you have it in the, gar- in the house, is to pinch it back so take the the tops out like I've just done there yeah. remove the very tops and that'll help to thicken the plant out you can propagate those little tips as well but it keeps the plant fat and full and low mm. and bushy okay. but remember every six to eight weeks it needs watering And repotting every three to five years. And what kind of
0: soil there? Just uh, ordinary, regular regular soil,
1: John Ennis-based compost with a little bit of of soil mixed into it. Mm. So if you buy your regular John Ennis compost, that'll be super. And maybe feed it two or three times during the summer period and that's it. I mean, it's a really no-nonsense plant. The other one I brought in, again, this is, I took from my own windowsill this morning from the, um, this is the medicine plant. So this is the aloe vera. Aloe vera often called the medicine plant because it's just a great plant for medicinal uses. And the liquid, you can actually cut the stem and use the stem if you've got any scratches, abrasions, any sort of skin irritations. It's fantastic for that. Once you cut it, it'll reheal itself, of course. And you can keep the piece in the fridge and use it, repeatedly use it um, over the gel a kind of weeks. Comes the gel. Gel. I've used it myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really simple plant to grow. Again, it's one that would need washing about every six weeks. Um, every two months over the winter period, and again you repot it every two to three years. So again, it's a it's a known nonsense easy to grow a plant. Likes a bright location, so somewhere bright. And open. Um, but apart from that it's so easy to, to grow.
0: And there are lots of different kinds of aloe vera. They aren't right
1: the This is Barbatus. It's, it's the, the common variety but there are small um, varieties as well. Shorter varieties, more like a cacti variety. There's hundreds of different aloe vera. This is generally the one that's used for cosmetic purposes and for the it produces the, the most... It, yeah, so it, burns yeah.
0: and
1: exactly. spots any, and things
0: exactly. like that. We won't have
1: sunburner this time yeah. of year but, but it's great for all of that. Or any yeah. skin irritations yeah. or even just Using the gel on your skin because it, you know, aloe vera is used in so many properties. The next plant I brought you is a plant called the snake plant.
0: Oh, so this is the snake plant that we mentioned last week or the week before, yeah. So
1: it's a the botanical name is a plant called Sansevieria. And it comes to us from South Africa.
0: So this, I suppose, for for those people who are uh, not familiar with the snake plant, is it's quite a it's quite a substantial plant in size, in that it's the tallest of the ones we have in. So I, I'm guessing does it grow very hyboric? No. It, and it's quite frond-like. I mean, there's I suppose it kind of reminds me a little bit of seaweed to a certain degree, except that it is vertical rather than on I, the ground.
1: I love your imagination.
0: <laughs> so there's sh- my there's my um, description of the snake plants this morning. I
1: showed my son yeah. the, 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 I held it like this to me and Luke and I said him, what does that plant remind you of? Go oh, ahead. I
0: see the snake like. No.
1: No. It's like a tongue.
0: It is like a tongue, yes. Right? That's
1: true, yes. So its other name is mother-in-law's tongue.
0: Oh, right, the famous mother-in-law's <laughs> tongue.
1: So it's very leathery.
0: Yes. It's yeah.
1: the snake the snake plant gets its name for the actual the the, the uh, flesh or the the so leaf.
0: It, it, yeah, so the stem
1: I, is is feels like a snake's skin. Feel like it there. And okay. it's it's very smooth, so it's, yeah. very smooth, um, nearly cold to touch, okay. and it's variegated. It's got that, that variegation in the leaf. Super easy plant to grow. I mean, if you want the easiest of all plants, then this is the plant to grow. So the snake plant or Sansevieria. Um, again, you'll only kill it with kindness. Water it every two months repot it every three to five years again. You can propagate it by division. So you can split it in two or three pieces if you have an older plant because it produces new stem. Funny enough, it's actually in the asparagus family.
0: Oh,
1: okay. And asparagus produce their new shoots by underground stems all the time and that's what the Sansevieria does as well. It produces new, you'll see the new shoots, oh, see, see it just it here? Up, yes. Yeah, so right at the edge of the pot it produces new shoots and they can be propagated by division but it also can be propagated by literally cutting the stem and putting it into a pot. But again, if you want something really easy, I mean they're Trouble free, easy to grow. They grow in shade, they grow in full sun, they grow in an office environment, they grow in a bathroom environment. Um, so any of those trees, I three I can highly recommend. And, and the, one of the, the oldest plants.
0: The spider. this is the yeah plant. Now feel
1: feel feel the weight of that. Yeah,
0: I know. It's I bone have, dry. It's
1: bone dry. And that's what it likes. And many, is many that what it likes. That's what it likes. Periodically, um leave the plants to, to dry out completely. I mean I'm I'm not letting the plant collapse. It's still yeah. it still, it's looking still yeah, it's got, looks it's really healthy. But but I let the foliage or the compost dry out just between watering, uh, particularly at this time of year, um, because overwatering is the biggest killer of indoor plants. But the spider plant, again, is great in bathroom settings. It likes that kind of moisture in the air. It's called the spider plant because it produces, like strawberries, it produces little offsets and little baby uh Plants.
0: Yeah, what should we do with those? Should you can we pot them up. Can you can, you, you
1: can, can leave them just for decorative yeah. purposes and leave them there. Or you can simply cut them off, put them into a pot and you've got yourself a new plant. And spider plants were very, very common years ago. People would give them, mothers would give them to daughters and people would pass them around because they were like strawberries. Yeah. They were so easy to propagate. But it's a, it's a bright variegated plant lovely colour in it. It'll tolerate shade as well. You could in a sitting room environment, in a, in a um, kitchen environment, in a bathroom environment, anywhere like that. It doesn't grow terribly big, about a foot in height, maybe two feet in diameter in time. And then it produces all these little offsets. So it's actually a plant that you could hang up as well because it tends to slightly
0: mm.
1: uh, trail or hang over. And particularly when it produces the offsets, they hang quite, quite a bit best, down. Yeah. So there are three super easy plants to grow. The spider plants, the aloe vera or the medicine plant, if you like something medicinal, the sansevieria or the snake Snake plant, and then the jade plant or friendship plant, uh, it's often called as well. Either of those four. I can it around You cannot go, go wrong. wrong with.
0: Okay, well, I I do have a spider plant, and there I had go. one, yes, and actually, uh, it was a gift from my next door neighbour, um, who is a is a great gardener and has lots and lots of house plants. And um, they, but I did notice that so the the, the offshoots, as you mentioned, yes. And I was wondering, oh, do I cut them off or do well, I leave some them people, there, or what do yeah, I do? Yeah, some with people
1: them? dislike them because they, they sometimes it get,
0: unbalances the symmetry.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> it can make them maybe look a little bit untidy. Yeah, so yeah. you can trim those back if you wish. just remove them completely that's the plant trying to repropagate itself it's producing these little offsets so you get a kind of a stem and then the little baby uh, spider plant at the end and you simply pot them up give them to to your own family and friends if you wish or just cut them off and get rid of them, whichever you prefer. Um, you won't, the plant itself will continue to grow to healthy. Grow. And in, in time, if you want to, you can propagate them by the little spiders or it propagates well by division as well, by literally cutting, cutting the plant up and and it. And, and does it
0: grow it. continuously or has it growing phases?
1: Um, well, it, they, most of the houseplants tend to grow during the summer months. So right. as we come into April, May, they, they kick into growth. Now, there's always some growth yeah. over the winter, you know, maybe a couple of centimetres of growth over the winter period because our homes tend to be warm. And we have reasonably good light levels during the, the winter period, but but mainly. Their, the, the active growth is in springtime. So the time to repot most houseplants would be late March, early April, just before they kick into growth. Right. So really at this time of year, we're putting them into dormancy. We're cutting back on the watering, as I've done with that spider plant. You know, I mean, that won't get a drink of water for another couple of days. Um, and, and then we'd leave it maybe another two weeks before we'd rewater right. again or three weeks. With the Sansevieria and the Aloe Vera and the Jade plant, mm. certainly every once every six weeks to eight weeks weeks is sufficient. So like watering maybe two or three times over the winter period it's all that's That's, going to be required for them. So So, could it be any easier? It
0: could be any easier. Well, you know. (laughs) You'll have
1: to go to artificial. Dried and tested. uh, But remember the benefits. That's what I, I suppose the key message that the benefits of having houseplants in the home uh, it's not just the oxygen that produce, it's also therapeutic having plants. It makes the home look better, nicer. It does, I think.
0: and it is nice to have a little bit of greenery around. Exactly. I think myself as exactly. well. Yeah. Now, so don't
1: don't forget not to wor- yeah, or too, too to water, water them can, when yeah, it does come yeah. around to that period. <laughs> yeah. But let them let them go dry. That you know, I nearly judge them by weight rather than looking at the compost. So nearly lifting the plant up, and if you, if it's kind of on the if it's light, a, if it's very light, if it's light if all you can feel is the plant exactly or with some of these succulents they'll tell you because they'll they'll start to droop ever so slightly and then you just water them and they perk up again
0: okay a lot of information there on heathers and house plants we have lots of questions too in work I have a couple of crinodendron shrubs I got from Horkins a few Mm -hmm. years ago they're now over 10 feet tall goodness me I need cutting back but they're still in flower and will soon will it soon be too late to do it I also have an Olearia daisy bush and the same applies what should I do says Tom
1: okay well crinodendron is the Chilean lantern and comes to us funny enough from Chile um, uh, by a great plants man, Um I think it's, Ch- it's, it's crinodendron hookerianum the, uh, so anyway not 10 foot it.
0: tall is it's 10 big. foot tall
1: it's doing really well do and they normally lo- grow that big they do because yeah. they love our Irish climate okay. our mild Mediterranean uh, you know that the Gulf Stream yeah. that extra growth. So ten feet is, is that's a great uh, and it's a super plant because it retains the leaf in all through the winter and the, has produced these beautiful lanterns. Then in March, April, May. Now you often get a couple of flowers at this time of year, but you'll often you'll notice on the plant it actually produces the flower embryos at this time of year. So if you prune it now, you're going to remove all of those. So Tom needs to leave the plant alone, let it flower in the spring and just after flowering. So maybe the second week of May or the third week of May, whenever the flowers begin to go over, that's the time to cut it back, Tom. So he could prune it now Mm. and and it won't damage the tree, but you're obviously going to remove 30 or 40 percent of the flowers Mm. for next season. So my advice really is to leave it alone, come next uh, let it flower in the spring, then cut it back, feed it heavily, because whatever growth it makes this coming summer, it'll flower again on that the following spring. So I'll leave the pruning over. The olearias again, I would leave the pruning of the olearia to springtime as well. Again, allow it to flower and then cut it back. Um, so any, any of the kind of spring flowering plants, you don't do any pruning at this time of year because you're, you're physically removing the flowers. So things like camellias or dodendrums, yellow forsythii. Um, red, the red uh, red currant, ribes and the crinodendron, uh, azaleas. Any of those, if you prune them now, you're removing the flowers. So just be careful. About that, leave them alone until springtime.
0: Now, I have a brilliant crop from my beetroots this year. Right. How do you cook them for pickling? Oh, we're, not a, right. we're not a cookery programme. Well,
1: I, I remember last uh, year you telling me you made chips or something from yeah, them. Yeah, we will.
0: Made, I've made beetroot crisps, uh, crisps. before. Yeah, crisps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're really delicious. Um, too delicious, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. So the way I did that was literally just kind of slice them very thinly. If you have a mandolin, that's um, you know the handiest way. But mind the fingers. And and, um, just put a little bit of oil on them and put a low heat on, and in they go. And they—I um, th- I can't quite remember quite how long I left them in for, but probably thirty or forty minutes. So you're literally drying them out, and um, yeah, and really gorgeous. And the sweetness of the beetroot really comes out. Thus, that's so. And obviously, if you want to be a bit healthier, you can boil them or steam them. Yeah, and well, have that's them in Salads and things like that. I mean, there's a million things you can make. Chocolate cake from beetroots I've never done it myself, but I hear it's fab. That sounds good. So there you that go. Lots good. of options. I, I
1: think the key thing to remember with beetroot is that it bleed so when you're cutting yeah. it just it's a bit messy yeah just well or just twist the twist the leaves off rather than cutting them and again the root uh, just cut the root but leave you know don't cut into the actual into uh, the flesh into part into the bead part mm. at all and don't take any of the skin off either so just wash them and boil them and steam them and they're good then for pickling. Um, like it's so. been a great year for root crops in general. The yeah. moisture coming into the autumn, carrots, parsnips, beet roots in general have done very well. Very well. And now is the time to be harvesting them. You need to get them out of the ground before the winter truly kicks in. Okay,
0: so you've yeah, you've lots of ways of yeah. of, of, of dealing with, with them there. What's the best way to store pot plants over the winter? Some might come back in the spring. Uh, also, I'm getting my shrubs cut back next week. Any tips on how to care for them afterwards so they're ready for spring? Well, the,
1: th- the, the key thing to remember with in pruning shrubs is, like I said, anything that flowers in springtime, and we define spring by anything that flowers from January to the first week of June. That's spring is in that the gardening that spring? world. Okay. Well, in terms of flowering plants, so if you've got Plants that are going to be flowering, um, say, for example, some of the viburnums are going to come into flower now over the winter period. So if you prune them now, you're removing all those blooms. So it's okay to cut back summer flowering shrubs. Um, You know, things like roses can certainly be pruned back. In general, lavateria, which I think we had on the programme last week or the week before. So a summer flowering plant certainly could cut them back or maybe some evergreens cut them back lightly now but anything that's spring flower remember the time to prune those is immediately after flowering if you want color this year so plants like lilacs for example um, don't prune them now because you're going to remove the flowers that they're going to produce in the springtime in relation to the pot plants and the indoor plants just like mm. as I said just cut back on watering now cut back on feeding really give them a rest period for the winter repot them then next spring and start the whole process off again
0: Great. Now, uh, could we ask Park, what's the best stuff the best stuff to plant in the folly tunnel now for winter months? Um, I have a problem with now it just ends with a G. So I'm not like that greenfly or grubs or yeah, what might be, be anything. the that pro- well, might be the problem in if the folly ha- tunnel.
1: If you had a problem with, with greenfly or, or disease in, in particular mm. this year, use that dead fast um smoke. The greenhouse smoke that I mentioned a couple of weeks back, that's very effective in polytunnels and in greenhouses. So from memory, I think it covers um, six square metres of, of area, space. of space. Mm. So that's, a you know, that's quite a, a reasonably big glass house or a tunnel. Um, and that gets rid of any of the greenfly bugs and any diseases. So you simply just light it, uh, light the little uh, dead fast container, leave it overnight, let the smoke do its business it'll kill any pests and it'll kill any diseases that may be in the tunnel and then you can plant the following day so things like you know Japanese onion sets um, they come both in the golden and the red at the moment garlic can be planted the cabbage pixie I feature that before it's brilliant in tunnels because it's a really small compact mm-hmm. variety um, you could also sow spinach in there at the moment the plants of those are, are available if you can get some lettuce plants now put them in and indeed you can sow some seed as well so there's plenty of things that can still be used in, in the tunnel. Great. And pot up maybe some spring bulbs, you know, if you want some tulips yeah, so and flowers. So yeah, it doesn't have to be necessarily no, it doesn't have to be edible edible, edible No, It can be, it can be uh, you know, if you want to pot up plants or take cuttings of plants, that type of thing, it, it, the tunnel can be used for.
0: Now, Pork suggested some evergreen climbers last Saturday. What was the fastest growing type with the winter colour?
1: Um, I mentioned a few. The yeah. one, the one that comes to mind there would be Sissus Dryata, the evergreen Virginia creeper, which retains its leaves, so it's very, very fast growing. It produces growth up to six to eight feet per year, um, so very rapid. Um, and it holds this colour all year round but it, particularly in the autumn early and winter it goes that plummy red colour so it goes a, similar to the colour of Virginia creeper but it retains the leaves. so that's the evergreen Virginia creeper or striata. other evergreen climbers would include the blue sea Otis, the, the California lilac which is lovely Pyracantha which has, is full of berries this year at the moment it's got fantastic berries uh, Cotoneaster canubia is an evergreen variety Cotoneaster good on walls as well mm. so there's plenty mm. of other or the 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 other one i featured was um the evergreen uh, jasmine trachy um uh, so that's available as well as an evergreen climber but the vigorous one is the evergreen Virginia
0: creeper. Yeah, creeper. Uh, now, we ha- I have thin tree roots <coughs> coming in under a raised bed. Okay. I tried growing Japanese winter onions, but they're not great. What would pork suggest to liven up the soil? Or well,
1: to, to, and, and onions are, are quite a hungry plant. We often don't associate them with being greedy, but they actually are because the amount of, of layers that they produce. So, fertile soil is important with... them. Um, with any variety of onion. And the Japanese onion set is one that you plant at this time of year. It grows through the winter and you you use it then in spring and early summer. Um, So I would add some organic matter. You can either buy farm manure in bags, composted farm manure that you can dig into the soil and add that to it and add some compost with it. What you have there with the roots of the trees is extra competition and the trees will be drying the soil as well. You may have a bit of shade there as well. So it might be more advisable to move the raised bed in time. Um, to, to a more open area but certainly in the short term for this year you could add in that composted organic matter, dig it into the soil um, put some slow release fertiliser in it as well and replant the Japanese onion sets, there's still plenty of time to plant them and garlic you can use garlic with them as well um, and that will again grow right through the winter period
0: Lovely. Uh, Now, uh, when is the right time to prune apple trees? Are we there yet?
1: Well, another couple of weeks. um, I mean, if you had to prune them and you want to get out there, you'll do no damage at the moment. But they still have their foliage on them. So generally speaking, it's left till the first or second week in November when the leaves have fallen, you prune back this year's growth by two-thirds. So whatever growth the apple tree's made this year, prune back by two-thirds. Remove any damaged wood. So if you see anything with canker on it or crossing branches or anything with a damage on it, remove that as well. And it's a good idea with older apple trees to selectively take out two or three of the older stems as well, just to help to rejuvenate the tree. And The other advice I would suggest which with if you've got an orchard or some apple trees or pear trees or even soft fruit like blackcurrants, is to treat them with the winter wash so once you've done the pruning you clean off the bed you apply the winter wash which cleanses the, the stems of the tree and cleans up the ground as well around the base of the tree and that's also can be used on roses if you've got a rose bed and you want to clean it up do the pruning and then put on the winter wash and that again helps yeah. to, to clean up the stems of pests.
0: And protects things for the next for the, season. Correct. Now I've a lot of buttercups on my lawn I suppose there's a good bit of growth even though things are wet at the moment Park, Still, well, That's why there's so many buttercups yeah. because they it, love the moisture. It's about three years old uh, the lawn now okay. itself is about three years old it's doing well but lots of yellow buttercups in all areas is this is this the right time for this Yeah well to you, can tr-
1: you can treat them now in broadleaf yeah. weeds and lawn if you treat them in the autumn you tend to get a very good kill but buttercups are a sign the soilers is um, moisture retentive retaining the moisture buttercups love uh, to grow with their feet in in water or or in very moist so in a very dry lawn which we don't necessarily have have around here uh, you you know you won't have buttercups that won't survive but so my advice really would be to feed the lawn first of all put on an autumn feed an autumn lawn feed um, you can get uh, Hygiea do a very good one that has a moss control in it as well so put that on allow that to work it'll soften up the buttercups and a week later apply Dico or any of the lawn weed treatments, and that'll eliminate or help to control the buttercups, and it'll also control other broadleaf weeds like clover and plantain and so on in the lawn. So it's a good time of year to actually treat the lawn.
0: Okay. Well, from taking something out of the lawn to putting something in, would crocus be okay to plant in my lawn? Will they get in the way next spring when it comes to cutting the
1: lawn? Ah, no, not really. If you plant them now, um, the easiest way to plant them is actually just to lift. A so, to sod the lawn which means lift, physically lifting maybe an 18 inch by 18 inch square of the lawn so yeah. literally go down with the spade slight, and slightly lift Dift, up the grass right. plant the crocuses and just pop, pop the, the
0: back down. Pack again. the grass
1: back down again it's the simplest way to, oh, yeah. to plant them so okay. literally just cut a square you know or a rectangular shape or it doesn't matter a circular shape if you wish and literally undercut the roots so you're only going down maybe an inch two inches at most mm. you're lifting the grass Put it to one side. Put your bulbs in, and you want to put crocuses very close together, so in a cluster you so might you'll be,
0: have a real nice bit of colouring. Exactly, one section of the a lawn. big
1: punch of colour. Yeah. Um, Sounds lovely, actually. Uh, yeah, and then just literally take the piece of of uh, grass and plonk it right on top of the crocuses, and they'll force their way up in the springtime. They're generally going out, going out of flower as we go into April when it's coming or round to the time of year. Now come. you might have to leave it a week later than normal. Uh, but you can allow the crocus to flower, then cut your lawn. And a good idea is, is maybe around Christmas time or, or in early January, if, before the crocuses start to emerge, if we do get a bit of dry weather, give the lawn a little bit of a mow, just have it reasonably tidy and then allow the crocuses up. And other dwarf bulbs like snowdrops work really well in uh, lawn Thanks. areas. And they're, they're lovely to see. There's a great splash of colour in the springtime as the crocuses come up. So they're a great parkland Or lawn bulb to use.
0: Okay, great. We're going to take another quick break, Pori. Okay. We'll have lots more questions though after these. And you're welcome back. Right here we go. To, we'll start with the last question, and we'll what? move backwards we? there. And it is, I suppose, uh, you know, d- d- one that we get every so often. But this time of year, poor, people are thinking about putting uh, something on a grave. What would give grave a colour at this time of the year? And I
1: suppose coming up to November, it'll be yes, uh, also, of course, um, yeah, so yes, So, uh, well, colour for the autumn winter. Well, the heathers that we started with, I think so. They yeah, be I think they're
0: great. I, I, I have seen them on graves, and they do really, um, I suppose, lift just the area. Yeah. and I suppose they're low maintenance they're low as well. maintenance yeah. and they're
1: easy grown and they'll tolerate any type of soil type so uh, they, they'd be super you could put some spring bulbs through them if you wanted the other plants that'll be flowering through November would be cyclamen the autumn and winter flowering cyclamen they're quite short as well and very colourful um, comes in shades of whites and reds and pinks and, and so on um, winter pansies, winter violas will also be given colour but the heathers will be great they're, re- they're really easy and maybe put some dwarf bulbs down with them and as I said they will flower right through till April Okay, great. With little or no care.
0: Uh, I have a large slope covered with lonicera.
1: Yeah, Lannicera, yeah. Ivy.
0: Sorry, that's new for me now. Ivies and creeping cotoneaster. Okay. Is it possible to add in some groups of bulbs to brighten this bed in spring? I have to ask you first of all, what's lonicera?
1: Lonicera. Well, lonicera. is actually uh, a whole collection of plants. Right. Honeysuckle, for example, oh, is okay. in is in. The, well, that's a climbing plant. But this, I would imagine, is um, lonicera pilata, which is a ground covering. Uh, plant it spreads across the ground, retains leaf in in um, all year round. Um, it's kind of really got kind of, it's apple green colour so it's quite good on banks and slopes they also have cotoneaster and Crippin something else and ivies and ivies yeah. right well look at, yeah the spring bulbs so most of the plants that they have already are about a foot to eight inches high so you want something taller you want taller bulbs that are going to force their way through so you could put in some of the narcissi or daffodil family would be perfect um, Some the, the fritillarius which are nice as well alliums you know the onion plant mm, that, that flowers mm. in yeah. so yeah there's a collection of, pla- of bulbs um, you want them at least 8 inches to 2 feet in height when they come into flower but again plant them like I mentioned with the heathers in groups of of uh, the bulbs in groups of 5s or 7s and they'll force their way up through and again it goes back to that idea of companion planting where the bulbs and the ground covering plants work so well together because as the bulbs are dying back they can be a little bit untidy but those ground covering plants will just cover them over and you won't see the foliage so the answer is yes now is the time to do it and just make sure you get plants with good long stems or bulbs with good long stems that'll give that little bit of height through the ground covering plants.
0: Now, good few questions, Porek, on storing uh, flowering plants over the winter. Specifically, what are we doing with begonias at this time of year? Can we lift geraniums and how do we store them? And dahlias, storing dahlias.
1: Okay, well, a lot of those are still in flower. I mean, certainly the begonias and the dahlias will still flower for another couple of weeks, particularly with the very mild weather we're having. So over the next couple of weeks, as you start to, as they start to die back and the colour starts to go out of them, all you do is literally simply dig them up cut back the stems to, to very close to where the bulb um, starts and um, with with begonias when you lift them the actual stems will fall off anyway. They're easy, easy to take off. The key thing then is to let them dry out. So put them into a, a tunnel a greenhouse or on a windowsill or in a shed, somewhere that you can allow the bulb to dry and take off any excess Compost or soil from the base, and also check them for any pests because there is things like vine weevil can attack them over the winter. The other piece of advice is to get a little bit of green of uh, yellow sulphur, so you can buy a small little tub of yellow sulphur, which is fantastic for storing plants. So it's a fungicide, and we literally we put it on like talcum powder onto the the uh, the tubers of the dahlias and the begonias, and it stops any disease and any pests damaging the plants over the winter period. And you just store them in a frost-free location. So again, a garage, an attic, um, it can be in the dark, it doesn't matter. And literally store them like you would store the tubers of potatoes. So frost-free, dark Dark. location, somewhere cool. Leave them there until February and then repot them up again. And in February, it gives you a great opportunity for dividing those dahlias or begonias. You can split them up and propagate new plants from them. So really, the the yellow sulphur is great for preventing any fungus disease and any pests from attacking them. So you simply just sprinkle that on. So put the dahlia tubers into say a a timber box and just sprinkle the yellow sulphur on and that just keeps them Clean and tidy for the winter.
0: Excellent. Uh, I have a crimson century maple and want to Lovely. prune back some of the side branches that are in the way when okay. moving when mowing the lawn. Rather sorry. When to cut these? When do I cut these back? And do I need to treat the cut areas?
1: So crimson century is is a, a beautiful broad-leaved maple. So it has leaves the size of your hand, really rich um, wine colour. The, the wine, the the colour of a of a good red wine. And, of course, they keep the colour right up. They're actually still in leaf at the moment. So I presume that the listener just wants to remove the side branches and that can be done now. Even when they're still in leaf, you can trim up the side branches. If the cuts are more than three to four inches in diameter, then I would put advise putting on uh, a prune and seal. So you can get a little treatment called prune and seal that you just dab onto the wounds and that helps to, to stop any disease getting in. Uh, but if they're smaller than, than three inches, they're perfectly fine. They'll heal themselves. A good idea as well, particularly if it's a relatively, young tree a kind of three to five year old tree is to prune the top as well if you can reach up because you'll help to encourage a nice clean stem a lollipop shape by removing the side branches and by pruning the top you get it to fill out as well and it becomes a denser fuller head and you get more color because you're simply pruning back the branches and for every trim that you every stem you cut back you increase them by two new stems next spring so you're increasing the color in the tree as well And and that can be done anytime from now you know till the end of November you can you can prune that crimson century and trees in general will benefit from you know having a nice clean stem removing the side branches particularly if they're in the way and pruning back the tops of the trees, giving as them well.
0: a little bit of a tidy up exactly can I mix evergreen ivies and the red ivy on a wall as a mix for some extra colour?
1: You can remember though that the uh, evergreen ivies are slower growing, so it would be a, a, the ideal scenario would be to put in the evergreen ivies first, give them a couple of years to establish, and then introduce the Virginia creeper or Boston ivy or red ivy into the to the uh, planting at that stage because Virginia creeper is more vigorous. So if you plant them all today, then obviously the Virginia creeper is going to be far more vigorous and more dominant mm-hmm. and will take over an area. But if you've got ivy on your wall at the moment, for listeners that have. Say varieties like Gold uh, Child or Gold Heart or any of the variegated ivies. A great idea is to mix some Virginia creeper as a contrasting colour because it gives that lovely red hue. But you also then have the year-round colour from the evergreen ivy, so they work very, very well together. And again, with the the um, the evergreen Virginia creeper I mentioned, the Sisistrata, mm. you could you could mix some of the. Uh, deciduous variety with that. You could mix the two yeah, varieties together.
0: That's a, and that that'll be important to remember that obviously when they're both in leaf shall we say the colour is going to be quite spectacular but one of them will lose leaves. It will. So you may have bare patches too you, and you absolutely. need to think about that. Or yeah.
1: the wall will be completely bare mm-hmm. apart, apart from the, the framework yeah. of the branches. So to introduce the evergreen variety is a great idea or some ivies. The blend of the two together is It's an excellent idea. To have a nice bit of coverage over the year.
0: Now, is the eucalyptus a tree or a shrub? I love the blue-scented foliage and would like a small bush rather than a tree.
1: Well, eucalyptus, I mean, it comes to us from Australia and uh, in the wild it will grow 50 feet, 60 feet.
0: That would be a tree then. That
1: would be a tree. But having said that, if you prune it back, so for people that, that grow it for floristry work or if it's grown commercially, it's pruned back every year. And it produces really strong growth, but it only grows to about five or six feet in height. So if you prune it on an annual basis, then you get fantastic colour because you get all the young growth has this really steely blue colour. And it's used a lot in floristry work or for cutting. So if you're prepared to prune it back, you can keep it as a shrub. But if left untrimmed, it will make quite a large tree in time. And there are different varieties of eucalyptus, but they all tend to be relatively vigorous. So um, if it's pruned back on an annual basis, you can keep it as a shrub, definitely.
0: Now, can you put chicken manure from a chicken house into raised beds?
1: You can once it's uh, weathered. De- so the ideal thing is to take it out of the chicken houses, store it somewhere.
0: So kind of let it decompose. Let a bit. the rain
1: at it, mm. let it decompose, and you could mix it with other materials. So we were talking about composting mm. last week. So if you've got grass clippings, leaf litter, household. Uh, litter that will actually decompose like newspapers and so on then mix the chicken manure through that because that'll actually get the bacteria going for you you'll end up with a very good mixture of, of compost rather than just it all that being bean. chicken manure so that's what I would do, I, I would mix it into the regular compost heap with other, other items o- organic yeah. matter that will actually yeah break down
0: Okay, great. I've a Ponsettia plant since last Christmas. It's growing but right. some, well wow. <laughs> but some of the leaves are yellow and falling off now. What do I do to help continue it growing? Do I repot it?
1: Well, isn't it fabulous that it's and still... So yeah, where are we I now know, in October? Like,
0: most people, if they get four to six weeks Talk out of Talk about value. They're, yeah, they're value enough. for money.
1: And easy to grow plants. Well done. Um, so the poinsettia, well, look, at poinsettias are, are generally treated as a short-term plant. You have them for Christmas, maybe keep them to February or March, and then they, they tend to go off. Um, so to answer the listener's question, yes, you could repot it at this time of year if you want, because um, it, you know, it'll st- continue to grow uh, inside. The only the, It'll be very difficult to get it back to... To red this year because it, they need specific light treatment uh, the artificial light or even car lights or street lights affect the way it grows so i suppose you can you can what i'm saying really is you can grow it as a green plant in the house you're not going to get the red color or to the intensity of red that it had last christmas without a lot a lot of work so repot it and um, give it a little bit of feed keep it in a bright location and you'll grow it as a green plant for the next couple of years
0: great we have a question from PJ King in London and PJ is wondering about preparing hedge cuttings before planting can he plant them in plastic cups or what, where, how could he go about
1: that well the easiest if it's things like common laurel mm. grisellinia escalonia the, the traditional hedging plants the easiest way is to take the cuttings foot length pencil thickness of this year's growth. So you want nice young wood, pencil thickness, strip off all the leaves apart from one or two leaves on the top, dip them into rooting powder. The easiest place to root them is in a trench out of doors or a deep box. So an old fish box or something with good drainage in it. Uh, The plastic cups will be just too small for them. Or just a piece of space in the garden. It could be in a raised bed. It could be in your veg garden in a flower border. So a small trench, foot deep, Uh, about you know maybe 6 to 8 inches wide put some compost or gritty sand into the bottom of that line in the cuttings and backfill with the uh, with your regular soil Mm. and leave them there for the winter and they'll root over the winter period dig them up in the spring and plant them then where they're where they yes. are to grow.
0: Now, I have a horsetail weed just at our front pillars of our drive. We're planning on putting tarmac on our drive. What's the best way to treat this weed? How long will we need to treat it for? And is now a good time of year for the treatment? They want to permanently remove the weed. What they're afraid of is putting down the tarmac and then that the horse weed coming back into as the tarmac and as breaking through, I suppose. As so, yeah.
1: it can do. And, and um, so mare's tail or horsetail. horsetail, so that's our old friend our the old friend. yeah a very persistent weed it will come up through gravel and, and tarmacadam but if it's still green at this time of year you can treat it with spk weed killer now depending on how established the weed is the, the spk will certainly knock it back and kill it back but it depends how how um old the the weed is generally it takes a couple of applications a couple of years to eliminate mare's tail with re- regular applications of spk so My advice really is ideally, if you could leave the weed, kill it, spray it now, leave it till next spring and spray it again. But if the tarmac has to go in and the weed comes through it, you can still apply the weed killer. Um, in in springtime, in in March and April, or in May and June, mm. as it grows through, if it does come through the tarmac, Adam. So repeated use of SBK weed killer will eliminate the mare's tail, but it has to be used on a regular basis. It's a bit like our Japanese knotweed; it's that kind of a a persistent underground um, stem-producing weed, and and just persistence with it really is the only way to eliminate it. Okay. Digging it out is no good. the 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 roots of mare's tail go down you know, up to a metre into the soil. Right, so that'll
0: be a lot of digging. Yeah, and it's
1: a very thin root as well. So I would spray it now with S B K A. Go ahead and do your adam If it comes through, repeat the spray in the springtime and that will eventually eliminate it. Okay
0: great stuff we're going to have to leave it there I know there's a couple of questions we didn't get to and apologies on that but we will try and come back to them next week
1: do it all over again next all week. over again next Saturday <laughs> thanks
0: indeed for it thanks a million good morning to you uh, and indeed to uh, everybody tuned our way do stand by uh, Michael Leary coming your way with the very best in country between 10 and 1 here on Midwest Radio and of course also we'll have uh, local news for you on the way with Angelina Nugent from me for the moment good morning have yourselves a great weekend